0: Welcome to this episode of Safe Home Podcast for struggling teens and their families finding their healing path. I'm Beth Syverson, a mom of an 18-year-old son, Joey, who has been dealing with addiction and mental health issues for several years. I am walking beside him as he struggles with his recovery while I work on my own personal growth and healing. Today's guest is Jude Gorini, a Brazilian who lives in Northern Italy. He identifies as genderqueer and works as an author Podcaster, intuitive coach, and creative artist. He has struggled with bipolar, addiction, and gender identity issues and shares his life story openly in order to help others. I met Jude recently when I recorded on the podcast that he co hosts with Leela Davis, What I Didn't Tell My Therapist. (laughs) He really resonated with our family's story, which intersects in many ways with his own. You will love his warmth and honesty, not to mention his sexy accent. Welcome to Safe Home Jude, great to have
1: you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited.
0: So I read that you're Brazilian, but I, I know yeah. that you live in Italy because I know when I look up what time That's it right. is that I have to look in Italy. How old were you when you moved from Brazil and how, did, how does that all work?
1: So I lived in Brazil until I was 10 and then okay. um, my mother decided to remarry again and my stepfather was from Italy. Okay. So, when I was 10, we moved to Italy where, well, I stayed until I was 25 and then I moved to London okay. and I stayed there for several years. I just back from. It's probably four or five years that I'm back to Italy again, just because my father passed away and I needed to come back. My mother Mm -hmm. asked me to come back. I was not happy about it, but you know, Mm -hmm. for once I said, okay, let me put family first Mm -hmm. and I just moved back. Yeah.
0: Did that end up being a good move or no?
1: Absolutely not. (laughs) No, for five years
0: it's been not good. Oh, you know, in America, we we kind of think of Italy as just a beautiful vacation spot. But I suppose yeah. living there, is it the family or the place that has been a challenge? Well, you
1: know, it, it's quite funny because when I moved to London, I had a huge cultural shock. And mm-hmm. I had the same when I came back. That is a little bit weird because, you know, I lived in here. Yeah. But Italy is a beautiful country. Like for holiday, I think is the best place <laughs> that you can go. But when you live in... There is so many things that doesn't work at all, you know. The bureaucracy here is terrible. If you are part of the LGBTQ plus community, there is a lot of discrimination towards it, you know. And there is a lot of racism. Mm. And there is always this strange way, like, this is a proper Italian way to see life, that you complain constantly. Oh, you complain? Oh, it's a huge complaining all the time. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. And and for me that I lived in the UK where these things exist because Mm -hmm. still you have discrimination, racism, but, you know, it's a big community population you don't even Uh. felt. When I came back, I was like, oh, no, I'm back (gasps) to all of Uh. this.
0: Gosh. Oh, and no. is And are you yeah. in a small town or a big city in Italy?
1: So I am in a small town. It's a Lake Como. I think there are oh. many... Yeah, oh,
0: that's beautiful. <laughs> There's movies and... Oh, my gosh. Okay, yeah. so it's idyllic, but idyllic to look at.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Like as a tourist, I can, I can see that is magical. Like each part of Italy is magical. Mm-hmm. But then when you live in, there are so many things that doesn't work mm. properly.
0: Are, are gay people allowed to be married in Italy or no?
1: Oh yes. they, they It's actually two years ago. I think it's two, two okay, and a half. Okay. They, they, they changed the, the law so they can get married without problem. But and here we go. This is like the funny and the same time the the horrible part of it. Like you can go to the council to ask to get married, but if you find in the office someone that is completely against gay marriage, they will probably invent an excuse and say to you, I'm sorry, we can't do that. And uh-huh. it happened to many people. Yeah, it happened to many people, but People think that Italy is a Catholic, just because we have the Pope somewhere there Mm -hmm. in Rome, Mm -hmm. but it's not a Catholic country, it's a like country. But the church, the the Pope has a lot of power towards, you know, towards the people is, you know, everyone goes to the church, not everyone, but now I'm generalizing, but goes to the church on Sunday, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. all the Catholic bank holidays exist, it's Mm -hmm. really, really deep. But if you look in the books and everything, Italy is not a Catholic country. It's a like country.
0: What do you say like?
1: So basically is is a country where there is not religion.
0: Like secular.
1: Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Secular. That's right. Okay. Oh, it's yeah, a secular yeah, country. Yeah, yeah. So
0: they're Catholic maybe by tradition, but yeah, they're not really go, religious. Yeah. Their parents were Catholic, so they're Catholic, but yeah. people don't necessarily go by their religion except for some bureaucrats and, yeah. of course, the Pope and all that, yeah, so that yeah. it affects your day to day living.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Wow. yeah. When did you come out as gay? Or when did you know you were gay? Or, uh, let's see, maybe I should clarify. I know you said you're genderqueer. What yeah. letters of the LGBTQIA++ are you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, i I always been attracted to men. Um, So I would say I am gay, um, but then if I need to look to the gender side Mm -hmm. of it, Mm -hmm. I never felt as a man, I never felt as a woman, but at the same time, I felt as a man, and sometimes I feel as a woman. So is, that's kind of confusion inside of me. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think it was since I was a kid, to be honest. So I grew up without a dad because my dad passed away before oh. I was born. Oh, and, man, sorry. Oh, no, no, that's yeah. okay. And so I grew up with my mother, and my mother was a model. And in my house, there was just women's around. Oh, and
0: and pretty things. and,
1: and Yeah, and pretty that. things and all of that. So I was always attracted to that, you know, uh, kind of environment. I was putting high heels, my mother high heels and things like wow. that. I was playing with other kids, pretending to be a woman. And, uh-huh. you know, it was, I think that since I was a kid, like a okay. little kid, I was always... This is when I, I said, okay, I'm not attracted to women at all. But my coming out, it was when I was 18. Mm-hmm. Horrible situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right oh, no. You know, nowadays I think that the new generation is quite lucky just because there is all this big information. I'm not saying that all families will accept or not, but yeah. in my time, though, like being gay sounds like you have a cancer or yeah or anything yeah. like that, you know, yeah,
0: at least now they have pride parades everywhere. and
1: Here we it's we go' a, yeah. it's more
0: out in the culture. But when you're eighteen, it was n- not nearly as accepted in no, in regular no, culture wow. no
1: at all, yeah. and it was a horrible situation. it It was horrible by the same time, a really important moment because I thought that my mother was totally open to have a gay son, but then she was the one <laughs> that oh. went mad towards it. My oh. stepdad, he looked to me and said, you know, you can be whatever you want oh. in your bed, oh, I don't care. Just keep being the guy, the person that you are. Oh. And instead, my mother just went crazy. Like oh. I la- I needed to leave house for one week. Whoa. Basically. Whoa. Yeah.
0: Now as a model, wouldn't she have been in touch with many gay men, you know, hair, makeup, you'd think costume designer, whatever, but she didn't see you as being that.
1: Yeah. Like, and the thing after many years, she told me, I knew it that you were gay, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want that to be my family. (sighs) That is a huge statement. Yeah. But I understand because from a cultural point of view, the Brazilian culture is beautiful, but you have that reverse part of the medal where y- your family needs to be perfect. Oh, Everything needs to be okay. perfect. Mm. So for for example, when my mother talks with my aunties, it's all about my son does this, my daughter does that, my son is this, my son is that. And my mother to go to them and say, hey, my son is gay. It was like, oh, um, I am the worst of the family oh. and all of that. Yeah, I know. Oh, it just I breaks know. my
0: heart. Have they come around since then?
1: Well, when they came out, uh, after probably three or four months I left home, mm-hmm. I went to live with uh, a guy that was my ex-boyfriend and the relationship with my parents started to be a good relationship towards my 24. Yeah, when I was 24, 25, we start, okay. they started to be much more open. Nowadays, my mother still have this idea of, I wanted to have my nephews and all of this, you know, Uh, but um, she's totally open. Like my boyfriend is always in debt. She's like happy. And there is not that much judgment as it used to to have before. She changed it.
0: That's good. Yeah. It sometimes takes parents or, you know, family members, you know, we come out, we've been working on it for years. We finally come out but they need time to kind of come out
1: oh, yeah, yeah, to yeah.
0: themselves and to their family. And it, hopefully people usually come around, but not always, but well, yeah. I'm glad your your family did come around. Is your family religious?
1: Oh, a lot. Oh, yeah. very
0: Catholic. Yeah. Because Brazil completely. is a Catholic country too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Completely.
1: Like in each sentence, there is God involved or Jesus involved. Oh, so.
0: <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. 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 I yeah. think that gosh religion has done so much damage in the LGBTQ community. It's just Don't something agree. they'll have to dig out of uh, to uh, make amends for eventually. I think it's just been incredibly damaging. So yeah. Ugh. So what what did you do with yourself? You got through high school, I imagine, and but then yeah. you came out at 18 and things probably got a little crazy Were you career driven at that point or what what were you doing with your
1: So you? I, I... I left home. So basically the high school, I left high school. I wanted to go to the university, but I couldn't afford at all Mm -hmm. to go to the university. So I started to work in a store as a sales assistant. Mm -hmm. I always been like till now really professional. So I managed to build up a career really quick uh, Mm -hmm. for someone that time at that age. So I I changed stores. I became a visual merchandising manager mm-hmm. at some point, um, and it was just I keep growing, growing, growing. Like I, the other day, I was looking, and I said, "Oh my god! I actually worked for twenty years, and I never had any gap." You know, I wow. changed companies, I changed stores, I changed the, the, the fashion brands to um, homeware and all of this. But for twenty years, I never have a gap wow. uh, working there.
0: So you designed yeah. the displays and things.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. 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 I, I used to work at a fancy department store, and those people were amazing. I don't yeah. know how they did it. Uh, so I admired that how you can pull things together and make it look beautiful. That's, that's pretty cool. That's really good. Yeah. Are you a designer? Uh, like, do you design clothes and things yourself?
1: I tried once, but I'm really impatient. So ah,
0: okay. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Ah, so I understand because when we talked, when I was on your show, that you really could identify a lot with Joey's addictive experience, when did addiction come into your life?
1: So I think that the idea of addiction came when I was a kid, just because my mother was taking a lot of antidepressants and in my teenage years, she started to mix with alcohol. That is not the best mix. Nope. So I had that vision of, you know, if I want to get crazy, that is the best way to get crazy.
0: Oh, did she get fun when she drank?
1: not at all it was like a really bad yeah not fun at all oh
0: at all. you said crazy i thought you meant like no crazy,
1: crazy no yeah yeah no oh. no crazy meaning that if i wanted to numb myself from the <laughs> okay, world yeah. yeah that was Got my it. example of oh, you yeah. know because the day after she was like oh i don't remember anything so in my mind i was like wow how can you not remember all the bad things and yeah. uh, bad words that you said so when I moved away, I unfortunately had this boyfriend, he he was a drug addict and um. at the beginning I didn't know anything, but there were days that he completely escaped and I couldn't find him anywhere and um, I was calling, he was not answering and then After one day, he was calling back, oh, I'm okay, sorry, I just went to my parents' house and all of this. So I was completely blind on what was going on. And then there was one day that he sat me down. He said, you know, I'm a drug addict. I smoke crack and I need to do this. and." And my first reaction was, you know what, let me help you. Let's go to a community. Let's talk. You need to talk to the doctors and Mm -hmm. all of these. Something that we went through. But, you know, um, he didn't want to get Mm -hmm. any help. He just wanted the drug to be his help. Yeah. So there was one moment that I said to him, look we start to do with you because i don't like the idea that you just run away Mm -hmm. you know it Mm -hmm. makes me really uncomfortable so i started to smoke crack with him that was not the best idea and all my words started to crumbling you know and we were just, I was spending most of my salary just buying and then my weekends or during the week just getting high and then probably the day after going to work. Oof. And and there was one moment that I say to myself, this will be the end of my life. My life mm-hmm. will be like this always mm-hmm. till till the day that my company, the company that I was working for said to me, look, we want to give you a uh, pay rise and a promotion and we want you to move to florence that it was five hours from where i used to live before Mm -hmm. so i saw that as a light in there okay so i can escape now so i escaped from that situation i've been sober for that moment for that three years Wow. And then I moved to London for love. And I think that is love that took me for a lot of addictions. and okay. okay. But also love for myself. And in London, the first two years, it was quite difficult. You know, as I said, there was a cultural clash mm-hmm. and the language and, you know, the work and all of this. And then after that two years, I started to go out with... I don't consider that the bad people because in the end we were in the same boat, yeah. but with a really bad influence people.
0: Okay. Uh, you know. Risky behavior.
1: Yeah, risky behavior. And I just started to take drugs constantly okay. to the mm-hmm. point that my weekend started on Monday and finished okay. at Sunday, the other <laughs> Sunday. So it was oh, plus I was God. getting really alcoholic at the same time and I had terrible calm downs. Um, yeah. That was like the worst thing possible. I was crying. I was really skinny. I had friends around me that were saying, you know what, Jude, you should ask for help. But I was not seeing that. I was like, mm-hmm. no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine.
0: And were you holding a job this whole time?
1: Yeah, You kept your job. Holding, you said you yeah, didn't ever yeah. have
0: any breaks with your job. Yeah. So. Wow. Like
1: probably this com- if they're gonna listen to this podcast, they were like, Oh, now we understand why he oh. was so hyperactive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you were like, gotta get more done, gotta get more yeah, done. Yeah.
1: But I was actually going high to work. Um, ah, okay. not even caring about what people could say or understand. Ah. I was probably good on faking.
0: Okay. Yeah. And cocaine was your main drug
1: of choice? No, it was meth. Math, yeah. Um, yeah,
0: that makes you skinny, and it
1: was meth because we, yeah, it was really cheap. Um, mm. Everyone was doing that in London okay. at that time. It was easy to have, mm. yeah. It was, yeah. It was mainly yeah, that yeah. one. Cocaine was for rich people, the one oh. that had money. <laughs> okay, okay,
0: gotcha. Wow, that's amazing yeah. that you could still function though. That that's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So how did you get out of it again? You got out of it once and then you got back in and then how did you get back out?
1: I had an overdose. Oh. That was the moment. So one day I actually attempted suicide. I was like, you know what? I want to finish my life. It's done. So that night I just did a mix of whatever I had at home and I woke up three days after at the hospital not understanding what happened and the doctor came and said you know you are really lucky guy because your heart stopped for a few seconds but you are here with us and that left me speechless you know left me oh wow why I'm ruining my life in that way, you know? Mm-hmm. And in that case, well, I had all the support because when you attempt suicide and you when you do this, you have all the support and they follow you and they're all in there. And slowly I just came out from all of that, realizing that I needed to work more on myself and needed to understand what was going on inside of me. I was not listening to myself. I was not stopping um, myself. I was going over my limits. Uh, it was just getting crazy, crazy, crazy. Oh, and, yeah. you know, and the other world around was just falling, 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 falling. But then it was always my choices, you know, mm-hmm. was me choosing mm-hmm. to do and to be in that way. So oh. it's actually seven... Eight years, seven, ah. seven, eight eight years that I'm sober. So wow,
0: there's a sure. huge
1: achievement.
0: <laughs> that is huge. It sounds like you were deep into it. And were you in a psych hospital or something at first where they were helping you?
1: I left the job. So I stay at home for one month. Okay. So I have that uh, sick leave. Mm-hmm. And in that one month, I, I needed to go to the GP, that is actually the, the doctor that in UK, and I needed to go to the NA, that is actually the AA, but okay. it's for Narcotic people that synonymous. take drugs, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was just following all that process and getting checked. I needed to go to the hospital each month to, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, pee in the cup. And in Mm -hmm. this way, they could check that everything was fine and I was not Mm -hmm. falling in all of this. And thanks to DNA meetings, that was the biggest inspiration to change. Mm -hmm. Like when I was sitting in there, listening to other people's Mm -hmm. experience in life, I was looking to mine and I was like, why why are you being so uh, selfish? You know, Uh because you had, in my case, I had everything. I had a job, I had a career, I could buy what I wanted, I... I had everything, and instead, in front of me, I had people that they didn't have anything. Uh. So from there, I started to, you know, stand up, wake up, and to really get to know more myself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you feel like the community in the NA program is what kind of pulled you out? That sense of community, I'm not alone, others understand me. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. community piece is so important, however people can find it. So a lot of people find it in 12-step programs or yeah. there's a lot of different ways, but, oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you did because yeah. the world needs you. The oh, world needs what impressive. you have to offer. And gosh, you're doing you're doing so many amazing things. So when did you start doing the, the kind of the coaching and the holistic, the meditation kind of things?
1: So I started three, four years ago. Okay so uh it was a moment where I said to myself, "You know, you need to learn to be in this world <laughs> to, uh-huh. uh you need to learn to understand yourself, to accept, to trust, mm-hmm. to see this to see life with a new pair of." eyes and wow. to express gratitude, generosity. So, you know, with my work, because I, I in my day job, I'm a store manager. So I have a team. I was already doing life coaching. I was already doing coaching. Okay. So I said, okay, so let me try to do life coach. Okay. So I did all the classes and then I went to do the confidence coaching part. Okay. That is what I'm good in. And uh-huh. then I put the mindfulness as well. So I started uh-huh. to do classes and mindfulness, yoga nidra. And then I eventually, last year, I also took a diploma for addiction counselor. Um, that was like another step. But in these four years is where I build what yeah. it was healing with Jude. Uh-huh. That is me trying to give power and energy and hope to everyone, like In my idea of coaching, my idea of teaching meditation or teaching mindfulness is I I want to give the opportunity to everyone to be happy because happiness is not as you see in the advertisement, you know, Mm. oh, take this gum and you're going to be happy. Yeah. yeah. uh, Happiness is really personal and it can Mm. be, is different from each one of us. Mm. And it comes just when you are balanced. When you understand your power, when you understand how can you build up and grow up inside of you.
0: Wow. Well, that's so great. And so healingwithjude.com is your...
1: Yeah, that's right. Your place, right.
0: Healing with Jude. Yeah. And I've listened to your meditations and you're just doing such amazing work. I wanted to touch on your diagnosis of bipolar as well. Yeah. Because I think that that's such an interesting condition and when did you find out you had bipolar and what have you been doing about that?
1: So I was 25, I was in London I was the first two years, it was actually the first two years that I was in London I was really suffering, it was the cultural crash but at the same time there was something that was not going on like I had much more moments of, I have these really deep moments of depression and then After two seconds, this huge hyperactivity, hypomania, I was like, okay, here is, there is something going on. And a friend of mine said, you know, uh, why don't you go and you do assessment and you try to see and you ask for help. And so I went through the GP's assessment and all of this, and then it came out the results of this amazing test. And the doctor said, you know, you are bipolar disorder one. So basically, you have you have this tendency of having really depressive moments but at the same time, really proactive and hypomania moments. Mm-hmm. The, the bad thing of being a bipolar one is that you, you can get addicted really easy oh. to anything. Ah. So you need to pay attention to that as well. Mm-hmm. And then I did, uh, this was my question to the doctor. So you mean that people they don't live with my same mind like you are saying that people they don't have these up and downs that they don't have uh these crazy moments that they Uh and he said no my dear people normally they don't have that and i said wow so for 26 years i lived thinking that that was a normal life yeah, wow. and and it wasn't so i went through medicines and mood balance and medicines as well it didn't work out because mm-hmm. i didn't like the the numb sensation the certain medicine can oh. give to you
0: it kind of makes everything kind of neutral right yeah
1: like, i didn't have any emotions that was incredible like yeah. i loved yeah. that the first month <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, wow, I don't have any emotions, but at the same time, it wasn't me, you know? I always do the example, if someone was dying in front of me, I was okay with it. I was like, okay, so Mm -hmm. good, let's call the ambulance, okay. But that was how I was feeling, and it wasn't me. It wasn't me at all.
0: So it might have been better than the giant swings, but the plain old vanilla is not feeling good either. Now, at this time, weren't you also using substances?
1: So at that age, no, but I started after it. So Uh, I started, and that was the bad influence of 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 these friends so i was taking lithium at the beginning okay uh-huh. uh with other mood balance stuff and a friend of mine he's not a friend anymore but at that time was a good friend of mine came to home and say you know what if you crash this and you snorted that would be amazing. So, and then he was like, "I have also this bag of meth. We can mix all together." And so, oh, from with that, your lithium, yeah, and from that started oh my, my addiction to all the oh, rest.
0: Wow. Okay. Okay. So they did diagnose you when you were sober. Yeah. For Joey, they they have kind of had bipolar on the table for a while. It's still as on the table as possibly, but it's hard to tell with the substances yeah. on board. you like, what's the substances and what's mental health? I don't know. So we're still trying to sort all that out.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what kind of tools do you use personally just to kind of keep yourself centered and balanced? You know, you're in Italy where you don't really like it and there's a lot of <laughs> kind of interpersonal problems there maybe, or cultural problems. What, what do you grab onto to get you through?
1: I write a lot. Okay. writing for me is the best tool that i can have that i can use to oh. feel balance oh. in in my life definitely going out running or doing sports mm-hmm. and all of mm-hmm. that that's for sure but for me sitting down and write is the best moment oh. ever in fact When I came back to Italy, when my father passed away, I started to write more, more and more. And all that writing became poetry. And then I self-published my first book, Poetry, and then came another one. that was my way to heal and to keep balance in life.
0: Nice. So writing poetry, do you also journal?
1: A lot. Not each day as I used to do before, but when I sit down there at least one hour and a half, I'm just... Putting down everything. Wow!
0: Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. I really am terrible at journaling. I always <laughs> admire people that can do that. I just, I, I think I censor myself too much. I'm like, oh, don't write that. And I think that's not the point of journaling. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know the feeling.
0: We'll put the links to your poetry books on the show notes. But do you have any poems you'd like to share?
1: So I will share. So this is from "Sorry, I'm Mad." That is my second poetry book okay. and i wish I share this poem that's called today okay. yeah let me share it <laughs> i was born on a friday with a world full of fears i grew up with disconnected emotions soaking in my own tears i destroyed who i was not allowing any touch of hope i engaged the pain thinking was the right way to live I bombed my feelings, living with anxieties and bad memories. I remained mad in the most calm events I had. I saw a word against me and I coughed loneliness as my best friend. 34 years old and the world changed in one week. I opened the door of my soul, leaving him free to breathe. I prayed in the high highlands for Mother Nature's help, and she gave me back my hope. The world wasn't that dark as I picture it, and now I live, tasting this new world. I am free and I float, bounding with my soul. The planets and stars are closer to me. I become a new sparkle in the sky. I am living a new life, being honest to others. I don't want your pain, but I want you to be free as me. From my mouth, I pour the energy I make to compensate my globe. I am the sun of the nature, I am a tree growing strongly higher, my branches, my present and future, and my roots, the experience I create. I dance with the wind and embrace the joy and hope as never before. I am all oh, now, I will be everything tomorrow. Complaining don't exist, because I accept who I was and how I will be tomorrow. And for you, I am St. Jude, the poet caressing your eyes while you read truthfully who I am.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful! Thank you for oh, sharing you. that, dude. You, you are a sparkle in the sky. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> While you were reading that and talking about all those nature references, I was picturing you in Lake Como and just like, yeah. <laughs> that, do you do you get a lot from nature, like in day to day living? Yeah. I have to.
1: I have to. I think that nature is another tool that really helped me. You know, big hikings like a few years ago i did this hike in scotland that was 120 miles by walk what uh yeah oh it my was gosh really tough but ah. it was beautiful to engage with mother nature that is something that we know we think we do but normally we don't do at all you know checking all that details and you know hugging a tree and touching the soil that ah. is one of the best tool to Stand up and breathe.
0: Yes, nature is so great. And our animals, too. Do you have any animals?
1: I have three cats.
0: Three cats. Yeah, three cats.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: nice, nice, nice. I can imagine that. Okay, Uh, so our podcast is typically talking to teens and their families. Yeah. What advice would you have for parents of teens... For maybe maybe they have a kid that's a little bit uh, gender unique yeah. or struggling a little bit what would you suggest their parents do especially around the LGBTQ piece of it
1: I think that I, and I put myself as a if I has a, if I have like a kid something that I don't have but um, probably I would connect more with what I would love to have when they came out to my mother. I think that nowadays we have thousands of tools. Like you go to Google and you can find any kind of information. I think that for a teenager, it's never easy to open up and talk about emotions and to talk about how they are feeling much more to the parents, not always with the friends. But if you see that your son or daughter, they are living a moment, trying to understand their gender, trying to understand what they want to be and how they want to be. The, the best thing that you can do is just walk hand by hand and be open, you know. I think that that is the best thing ever, not judgment at all. Um, is important to don't judge in that moment. -hmm. And plus, it's 2022, and we just need to get over it. Uh, (laughs) You know, it's normal. It's it's okay. The world will not explode if your son is gay or your daughter is lesbian or it comes of no binary. You know, we are a big community, and I think that that's why it's also important that you put your kids in touch with the LGBT community, yeah. that they can help you you as well to, uh, you know, walk mm-hmm. through and understand what is the focus, what you should yeah. do. And and this is what I said to my friend, there is this Netflix series, it's called uh, Heartstopper, and... Mm-hmm. That is just an, is ama- is an amazing series about teenage engaging with the, the gender, with oh. love and all of these. That was something that when I was a kid, it was not in there yeah. because, you know, gay people, they just had ADS at the moment. It was just this on television. If you are gay, you're going to die.
0: Oh, AIDS. AIDS, oh. yeah. Oh, yeah, that was terrible, huh? Yeah,
1: but oh, nowadays, yeah. just be open. Like, come yeah. on. It's, it's time to give the freedom to mm-hmm. anyone you know, I know that from the eyes of a parent can be tough sometimes, mm-hmm. but at the same time, if you love your kids, why not yeah. to accept also that little yeah. thing? At the end of the day is a little thing,
0: yeah, yeah, it is a little thing, and parents we sometimes have this idea of what we want our kids to be and we hold tight to that idea, yeah. but man, we cannot make somebody be what they aren't going to be yeah. and much better to just support them yeah. for whatever, whatever it is they are, whatever they're choosing at the moment and just be supportive. What words would you have liked your mother to say when you came out to her?
1: That's okay. I am with you. I wanted to learn with you. Mm. I want mm. to learn with you. Yes.
0: Yeah. Earlier in the podcast, I interviewed a wonderful woman named Elena Joy Thurston. And she is a, she came out very late as a lesbian, and like I did. And she it now has a foundation called Pride and Joy Foundation. And she helps parents that are straight, that have kids that have come out as LGBTQ, and she helps them get educated because she's, she, points out that this is a very interesting situation lgbtq people are one of the few marginalized communities that their parents are not typically in that same community you know normally if you're a different race or whatever your parents are also that right yeah yeah, but most gay people are born to (laughs) straight people and so there's there is an educational component to it yeah yeah. And so sometimes parents have to get knocked over the head to, to start working on that. But um, yeah, it, it's so it's so harmful to be uh, shunned or dismissed or shamed for for your sexual orientation or your gender. yeah, There's yeah. both sides to it. So, yeah. wow. Well, I hope that people hear your story and hear what an amazing person you are and just oh, think, you. what would it have been like if when you were 18 and came out, if you had been affirmed and celebrated? I mean, yeah. I wonder if that would have pushed you in a whole different direction.
1: Yeah, sometimes I ask myself, sometimes I think that but at the same time, if I need to be totally honest, I don't regret any of the mistakes or things uh-huh. that I've done because thanks for these things that I've done, it build up uh-huh. the person that I am today, you know? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that when you're a teenage until you're 30, you need to pass through a lot of things before you open your eyes and you understand what you wanted to yeah. be and how you wanted mm-hmm. to grow up, you know? Mm-hmm. And in that journey, it can happen whatever, and you don't need to regret. Like if I if I look to ex boyfriends, I don't regret them. They were like part of my mm-hmm. life. I'm happy with. You know, the drug mm-hmm. it was not the best decision. That's for sure, but somehow mm-hmm. it helped me to to heal myself and start to heal yeah. those other people. You know, I yes. think is is a part of life journey. So and that that is why life is so beautiful because it can be always. Yeah positive, pretty, whatever it is, right? Uh, it needs to be tough sometimes, you know, you need to go down deep to be able Mm -hmm. to stand up.
0: Yes. Well, luckily you survived your overdose and are able to turn your life around. And now you're helping other people, which is amazing. And that's, that's my wild dream for Joey. You know, he's, he's actually sober right now and he's coming out of his haze and he, has a such a heart to help other people. And I think that's so, you know, for somebody that's used drugs to talk to somebody else who used to use drugs. Yeah. I mean, that's powerful. That is really I mean it's one thing for me to say, don't use drugs, but (laughs) to to talk to someone else that's been through it and knows how hard it is and can help give a hand and say, here. I'll yeah. help you if you want help. So yeah. I think that's so great. Is there anything else you'd like to say that I didn't ask you about?
1: Well, we went through everything and I am really happy. I, I love to share my story, not because I'm a cocky person, but I think it's just that sometimes we think we are alone and that we are the only one living in certain situation. Mm. And instead, if all the world would open themselves and share yeah. the experience, I think that many problems that we face nowadays, mm-hmm. it would not be deleted, but we'd be different to live with.
0: Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, I know that's a big goal of our podcast. And I know that you and Leela with your yeah. podcast, What I Didn't Tell My Therapist, you guys are doing great work over there. Yeah. And with HealingWithJude.com, you're just doing amazing things. I just wish you all the best. And I know we'll collaborate again another yes, way somehow. Definitely. I would love for Joey to meet you someday.
1: Yes, definitely. I'm all for it.
0: I think you would really like Joey. Well, thank you so much, Jude, for being thank on you. with us.
1: Thank you so yeah. much for having me. I, I loved this moment. I, you know, on our episode in what well, I didn't tell my therapist, I I was mesmerized by the power that you have and that you share. I was speechless most of the time. <laughs> oh. Like, oh my God, I want a mother oh. like this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll be your mother. Yay!
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, Oh, well, you're so sweet. Well, thank you so much. I hope everybody will go look you up and find your poetry. And I'll put all those links in the the notes. And also listeners, please share this episode. Go find Safe Home Podcasts on social media. Support us with Patreon if you're interested and willing, patreon.com slash safe home. We will find more information there. And we just appreciate all of you listening and sharing. And we're all just trying to help destigmatize all of these things these these things that our culture has tended to shame for drugs mental health lgbtq we're trying to open it up talk about it so there's less stigma in the world and people can feel more whole and authentic whatever their path is so yay well thanks again jude and jude and i want you all to stay stay safe. safe